Hey everyone, welcome to episode 205 of 15 with Andy, Randy, and Jeff. It's episode 9 in this continued social distancing, virtual worship, remote call-in podcast. But we continue to find the wisdom of God, the good news, and agonizing prayers in the written words of Paul to the Colossians of old and the Orlandonians of 2020 as our current series continues. Now, before I begin, I want to have a quick update about our new podcast called Speaking of Grace which will feature the weekly message here at the Whole Life Church. Our podcast hosting platform, we mentioned it last week, the transition is finally complete. It only took seven days and a few, uh, well, more than a few hiccups, but we won't get into that. So when is the new podcast launching? I was hoping it was going to happen next week, but it will be May 19th. It'll be Tuesday, and that'll be in the evening. So more details will be included in next week's show here in the show notes and email. So all that will be available next week and also on our mobile app, maybe some other avenues as well. And if you have any specific questions, you can always send me an email to podcast at wholelife.church. And a welcome byproduct of the hosting move has been twofold. We have increased analytics that allow us to see where people are listening from and to which episodes. And already in just a week, we've had people go back and listen through a ton of old episodes and from eight different countries. So we are in fact global, which I mean, I guess I probably figured there was a few, but this was uh, eight different countries, Honduras, France, all over the globe. And so. And we're so dumb. We only speak in English. So. I, I know. And that's just, uh, that's it. I, I don't know. How do they have something that translates in real time? I'm not sure. Maybe they do. And we're also, we're also on new listening platforms like Stitcher and TuneIn. We've had a lot of requests for people to have us on Stitcher. And so here we are. So we're reaching a new audience that's listening to new and old alike. So that's pretty cool. All that to say is just please share the show with your family, your friends, coworkers, and of course your social media tribes. That would be great. So on to this week, we are in Paul's letter to the Orlandonians and we were agonizing for others. And I don't know, the dialogue and vocabulary this week, Andy, weren't nearly as upbeat and positive as last week. We, we, you know, we went from the best is yet to come, fulfillment and reconciliation to this week's kind of heavy dose of agonizing, suffering and abandoning our idols of self-reliance. I mean, I guess when the word in agonizing is in the title of the message, I should have seen that one coming. But it wasn't uh, it wasn't quite the happy, uplifting and positive message for some, I'm well, sure. No, 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 no. It's, it's no, very, no, no. Very, very positive. <laughs> The reality is that it's a possibility for us to turn something very bad, this pandemic we've been in, to something very good. If it, it causes us to move away from self-reliance and self-sufficiency, this could actually be a very good thing. It actually was. And I, I, I resonated <laughs> I resonated with that. And I knew I had to give you the business to start. But, you know, to think about how Paul was no stranger to extreme suffering. And I feel like sometimes we downplay the physical and even the mental attrition of people like Paul in the Bible because it's so difficult for nearly all of us. I mean, how do you relate to lashings, being imprisoned, beaten with rods and stoned? I mean, is it possible for us to experience suffering in ways that deep to understand what Paul is saying or, or where he's saying it from, this extreme suffering? You know, it's interesting uh, when you say that. And we look at uh, we look at ourselves, and and we're not really, for the most part, many people are what we would call stuck in their homes, 
Right. But it's not like a Mamertine prison. Right, um, right. Some may consider it that. But, <laughs> uh, it depends on who's in your home with you. Who's in, it depends on who's in chained to the wall, right? Perspective is everything, I guess. <laughs> but for some, it is very real. I mean, for some, it's extremely legit pain. And so here we are, in a sense, kind of going through a little bit of what Paul's talking about in terms of we talk about suffering on, you know, from our perspective, but there are many who are suffering in different ways. And so as we look at this, we, we kind of see, yeah, um, I can understand why Paul wants us to put this all in perspective. And suffering's always bad in the moment. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Or I, even I look, you have to look forward to it. Yeah. I mean, but oftentimes, often, I think more often than not, once we pass through a time of suffering and there has been some period of recovery, we look back not with fondness at having suffered, but oftentimes very fond of our experience having gone through the suffering. Mm-hmm. I mean, Jeff, as a counselor, you're, I know you've had, I've experienced it where, you know, people be in your office and they'll be crying their eyes. Oh, this is the worst day of my life. The worst things ever happened to me in my life. The terrible, 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 you know, from, from ended relationships to deaths in the family, to job losses, you name it. And then they come back in three years later for just a, you know, for a visit. And you ask about that experience and they'll say, Oh, I'm so glad that happened to me. That was you know one of the best things ever happened in my life. And you're like, yeah. what in the world kind of thing. Yeah, and sometimes it's a matter of a few minutes when you do a reframe. Sure. Um, because sometimes it's just a different look at the same picture. Right. Uh, just from a different angle. I mean, I do think that as we go through suffering, we have to remember, first of all, that this what's interesting about this, this is real suffering. You know, a lot of people suffer from neurotic issues yeah. within their own, but this is real and it's universal, which is another thing that is kind of interesting about it, that everybody's, everybody in a way is going through the same thing together. But you think about our history as a country, going through World War One, going through mm-hmm. World War Two. I mean, World War II was, her, was a horrific, horrific time. Mm-hmm. And, and, and yet we mark our history and celebrate having gone through that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, and I think if by keeping a perspective – that says, okay, this is, I, I'm, I might not be very happy right now about my situation. I'm, I may be suffering a little bit. Some people literally suffering with the virus, others suffering from, from economics or other, other issues or not being able to help their relative. And yet if we can keep a perspective that understands that, that what, what is before us surpasses the suffering anyway. Well, oh, I, excuse me. <laughs> I didn't keep, we're not keeping you from your nap, are you? <laughs> I mean, well, I think what you said about World War II, I think, you know, you look at that and it's obviously that, you know, that was a horrific period of time and, and the loss of life and just all the destruction. And in the moment, like you said, I think it's it's so traumatic and rightfully so. But it's not till you get to the backside as you look back on it and you can see that, yeah, the good won out overall in that war. And when we're going through our personal struggles, it's so hard to see an end game or to project an end game 
that comes out positive because it just seems so dark and it seems like there's no way that we could turn something like this into being a positive. There's just, it's just not fathomable to our brains. How do we, how do we stay in the, how do we stay in the fight during that process when we can't see the end? Well, let's talk about that in a second. Paul, he says, I rejoice in my sufferings. He was looking back at them. You know, yeah, and I'm I'm pleased that I've been able to suffer for you, um, but it, it was not. He's not masochistic, I don't think. <laughs> no, no, it doesn't no, sound I, like I, it. And I think that there is a side to this that, as Paul goes through that suffering, he's realizing the the reason for it, and I think that's the part that all of us in in this situation that we we find ourselves in with this. Yeah, okay, so we are suffering, but there is a there is a reason for us all to be at least those of us that are going through the what we you know we're calling the social distancing issue. Now some are really suffering because they actually caught the virus or the virus right. caught caught them. For them you wonder oh, you know what is what is their you know what is their takeaway on all of this because they're suffering in a different way. Hmm. But the suffering that we do is for a very direct and meaningful purpose. And, and how we manage the suffering is the testimony of the suffering. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You know, it's not, suffering is not virtuous in itself, but in the suffering, how do we how do we manage it? How do we go through this? To what end do we do it? If we if we just suffer so that and so that we can be okay ourselves later on, the, the suffering has less value. If we if we right. can interpret it and, tr- and transition and show that that we can we can endure, we can go through, we can achieve because of who Christ is. Mm-hmm. We're we're giving testimony that His kingdom is better than the suffering, kind of thing. I like that because everybody suffers, and like you said, like people like Paul and and maybe one that came uh, comes to mind, John the Baptist. I mean, these guys seem to take more than their fair share of abuse. And is there a greater reward for us that lies ahead if our suffering is is greater? I mean, is our testimony more robust or more impactful if it is? Or, you know, does it not matter? Like you said, is it just how we handle this in the process? I'm not a person who believes in the rewards angle on that at all. Uh, I, I think we certainly a person who's gone through times of suffering, physical, mental, spiritual psychological social and they, and they come out on the other side they are they're they're a more developed richer person having processed through that suffering is, am i am i crazy jeff or is that no i i i think you're you're right i think every and and yet there are some where that destroys them sure you know, it, it depends on on how they they move through it but i do think that it it is exactly that andy i think that it's not so much the uh, the type of suffering or the gravity of the suffering as much as it is how we've process, gone through that process, how we've managed through that. And that's why I think that Paul is saying to the people of Colossia that, you know, these, uh, these sufferings, whatever they are, uh, as we go through them, as we go through them with Christ— we're gonna we're gonna come out so much better on the other side because of our because of the the side in which we're on. I guess, and and part of our yeah part of our suffering right now is a loss of control. Hmm. We feel yeah. 
Yep. All feel a little bit out of control. We have suffering of restrictions. Somebody else controlling our life differently than we might choose to control it. Um, again, there are those that are actually suffering with the, having contracted the virus. But in so many ways, what we're suffering today is the suffering, the loss of self-reliance and self-sufficiency. <laughs> yeah. It, it is slapping us in the face. Hey, who you are, you have no control of this. It's beyond you. It's bigger than the whole world. It's, it's you know, you, th- you think you're you're in control and you think you're running your world and you think everything's great. And along comes this tiny little invisible virus and messes the whole world up. And, and we can suffer this pandemic and then just slosh back to normal again. Or we can say, man, there are forces larger than me. There is something bigger than who I am. I am not really in control of the universe. I may try to act like it sometimes. And my family yeah. think I'm trying to be that way. But, you know, no, it's it's bigger than us. And if it brings us to surrender self-sufficiency and self-reliance to move to God-reliance, we can redeem the pandemic even. Yeah, yeah. yeah I think you're and right. That's really the, and that's the basis of almost all suffering is that lack of control. Yeah. yeah. Well, I thought it was interesting, Andy, because – you know, so many of us, whether we choose to believe the degree to which we are guilty of, you said the greater our trust was in our work, our resources, our going and doing, our social circles, our economics, the greater our suffering may be right now. And one of the questions we must ask ourselves is, will we allow this to awaken us, awaken us to the only source of real security, or will we just wait it out and when we arrive at whatever new normal looks like, quickly return to our self-reliant idols. And what do we awaken to? I mean, it sounds good to like, let's not go back. Let's not move back to where we were. And it might be something we want to try in portions that we haven't wanted to consider. But if this isn't something you've done much of, or maybe any at all, like just kind of giving up control and kind of pulling back from the self-reliance, what's the starting point on that? Because I can think of a couple people right now, myself included, that there's certain parts of things that of our lives that we just don't want to give up control of. How how do we start that process if this isn't something we're good at? I just love the little prayer that is from the book Christ Object Lessons, where it says, uh, "Lord, take my heart, for I cannot give it. Keep it pure, for I can't keep it for you. Save me in spite of myself, my weak, <laughs> unchristlike self. That's true. That's Hold a good me, one. Bashing me." Raise me into a pure and holy atmosphere. The rich currents of your love can flow through me. It, it, yeah, it, it is. You know, take me because I I can't even I can't even give myself. And it's really a shift of locus of where your strength and your security is going to lie. And to, to be able to say, okay, I don't understand all this. It doesn't even all make sense to me. But Lord, take my heart for I can't give it. You know, yeah. you, you you transform me by who you are. There is a letting go. And I think the the wiser, more educated, more scientific your mind is, it may be a little harder to do. Yeah, I don't um, doubt that. Yeah. Well, is there a way, and Jeff, maybe this is something you can answer. Is it is there a way that if someone is in that position and they're like, okay, I hear you, Andy. I'm, I hear what you're saying, and I am identifying myself as one of these people that need to let a lot of things go and, and try to – to do this, but saying the little prayer, that's going to help. But I need someone to help me do this. That maybe does it a little bit better than me. They've got a little experience in letting go 
and letting God take the wheel, so to speak. Because it's hard for someone to admit that, number one. And then number two, it's even harder to reach out and tell someone, I need help. Is there a way that we can be kind of an open vessel to people uh, you know, not being confrontational and, you know, just saying, I'm here to help if this is something you need help with. Is there a way that we can do that as a, even within our own church community? I think sometimes when we look at this, we want to rush in and, and try to figure out, you know, what we can do and be the doer, so to speak. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I got my cape. But, I'm ready. Um, yeah. But, but a lot of times, as we were as we were talking about this, there, a lot of times what it is is it's our willingness to to really let go ourselves, and that's a that's a hard thing to really kind of put a put a uh, you know a definition on as to how that actually happens. But you know you know whenever you start to trust the process, so to speak, I guess it's the ability to feel so like. Um, understand your motive for behind what's going what's going on so when you understand your motive that you're actually there for care for compassion for truly setting yourself aside i think that's the piece where you can you can let go when it's not about you Hmm. then you can actually take that to the next step and realize oh my motive is not is not about self-preservation my motive is not about taking care of me my motive is is for care and compassion. So I think people are going to see that legitimacy right there when when it comes time for it. It's sort of like the major ball player who has been a star yeah. and goes through the process of being the star and then eventually over time moves to coach. Hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. And there's yeah. a shift. There's a shift. I'm not playing ball now for me. I'm not the ball player anymore even. I'm the person yeah. that's here to say, good job. You're doing great. How can I encourage you? Is it because it's not about me getting the trophy any longer? You know, one of the pieces for developing trust in a relationship is becoming competent within some of those areas that before you, you kind of, own, you wanted to own, you wanted to keep, you wanted to, to be, you, just like Andy said, they, they wanted to be kind of trophies for yourself. But all of a sudden, when you start to realize in true, true care for, you know, for someone or compassion, we start to realize that those trophies are not for us anymore, that we get a chance to hand out the trophies, so to speak. And now our competency is encouragement in uh, the lack of self-sufficiency and, and forgiveness and, and grace. So those become our competencies rather than our own self-preservation. We- yeah, I think that's really important, Jeff. We in so much of the Christian world, evangelism, proselytization, all that yeah. is all about persuasion and talking somebody into seeing things your way, your way. And, yeah, exactly. And to move it to saying, you know, I'm not sure my way's even right. I, I just I want to know God's way, and and here's what I know God has said about you, and, and He loves you, and it's a whole different mindset to be a encourager versus a persuader. Wow. What a gift. If you can move yourself and you've, you've realized the place that you're in and that maybe you don't need as much of letting go and that all of a sudden you can find yourself transitioning to give away that gift that you've kind of, eh, maybe you haven't mastered it, but at least you've figured out that, Hey, I'm at this place and now I can help somebody else. That's a pretty, that's a pretty cool legacy to be known for is to be able to give something like that away. 
I like that. Yeah. I yeah. like that. Yeah. All right. Well, before we close it up, let's transition here a bit from suffering to agonizing because, you know, I don't, think, I don't think we've hit that one hard <laughs> enough yet here. Andy, you quoted Colossians 2.1, which says, I want you to know how much I have agonized for you and for the church at Laodicea and for many who have never known me personally. So tell me what this agonizing prayer is and how or what I would pray for should I decide that this is for me? Because it seems weird to pray for complete strangers in situations that we don't really know about. It seems like maybe more of a prayer of platitudes because I'm not invested, even though maybe I'd like to be, even for a reason as innocent as I've just never met the person or I lack any real knowledge of their situation. What do I do specifically here? I think we pray for them to come into a connection with Jesus Christ. Hmm. And, you know, and you think about two of your friends who don't know each other. Okay. And they're both great friends. Maybe you, you have a friend back in Wisconsin, you have a friend here in Orlando and you're both really good friends and, but they don't, they don't know each other. And just think how great it would be if you could get them together. So, I mean, they're both just wonderful people. So I think the same thing is true here, that we, we know that Jesus is an amazing Savior, 100% giver, total love, all these great things. And really, you know, I, I have found in my prayers, I <laughs> I write my prayers out because otherwise I get really repet- repetitive worse. But <laughs> I, I'll start out sometimes praying for my kids. And then I think, well, why do my kids deserve this prayer more than anybody else? And so <laughs> then I want the whole world to have whatever I'm asking for the kids. Yeah. And, and I think to really to recognize the, the wonderful gift that it is to know Jesus Christ hmm. and to have that security and that that assurance in our lives is just to pray for that for people we do know and for people we don't know. Yeah. I like that. Well, and this leads into one of our whole life takeaways, which asked who would you be willing to agonize in prayer for their salvation? And so thank you, Andy. That puts it in a little bit of perspective because I can think of a few people that I could and probably should pray for. But even with that, I don't know if it's going to be easy and I'm almost wondering if it's going to be uncomfortable, but I'm going to pick one person and I'll commit to praying for them daily and for God to put on my heart what I should pray for specifically for them and for that connection that you just spoke about. And for all the things that I know to be true about the Jesus that I know, and I'll let you guys know how it goes next Wednesday. But please, well, but please don't, but please don't when, let when, me do this when alone. I, when I saw that, when I saw that agonizing, I thought, I, rather than the person that I would, you know, that is dear to my heart, what about is there anybody that I know of that I would not want to spend eternity with? <laughs> oh, oh, okay that's an agonizing prayer Ooh, mercy and i thought you know if, if that is if there is some, if there, and i had i couldn't find anybody i couldn't think of anybody but if there was that person that would be the agonizing prayer because that yeah. literally is the piece that we need to take care of that's yeah. the agonizing mm-hmm. side of yeah. our, you know, our hearts. <laughs> the, good, the good news, Randy, is no matter how well or bad you do at it, God takes your thoughts and turns them into prayers of the Holy Spirit. And, exactly. And utterings you don't even understand. So we're, we're, we're good. Amen. Because Jeff <laughs> just raised the bar. Like a way, way up. Way up there. Yeah, Jeff just moved it way up, people. So, but you know, don't don't let me do this alone. Pick someone. Pray however God impresses you and for who God impresses you. And with all the ideas we've discussed today at your ready and the words of Paul that we we talked about this week, 
go through and find someone to pray for and send us a voicemail or text next week and let us know how it went. What did it do to you? Were you, did you feel any differently? Do you, you know, were there anything that happened that made you feel like this was something that was worthwhile? Anything that happened that made you feel maybe uneasy? Just whatever it was, we'd love to hear from you. Send a voicemail or text to 407-965-1607 or as always, email podcast at wholelife.church. And keeping with that idea, our final thoughts are from this week's message, and they're from the closing sentences where Andy said, This week I want to invite you to pick someone who doesn't know Jesus Christ and pray for them like Paul prayed for the Colossians. Take our passage, Colossians 1, 24-25, and use some of Paul's language and try some agonizing prayer, that because of your engagement in prayer, you may present everyone perfect in Christ. And this is possible because you believe our text from last week that God in Christ has reconciled all things to himself, and that includes you and anyone for whom you choose to pray. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. I love the, the that end part and that it, it's an invitation for us to help somebody else along the way. That's pretty cool. All right. Yeah, that's good. Are we still in this message for next week? Oh, yes. We're We're still still in Colossians, chapter 2, verse 6, at the end of that chapter, and it's titled Freedom from Rules. Freedom from Rules. Well, I I think I like the sounds of this. I'm trying to get get positive again. (laughs) He's trying to get back those followers. That's right. So, you know, if if this episode's got you down a little bit with agonizing and suffering next week, we're going to, you know, the the rules. And this is good. I like this. I like this. All right. Well, remember to wash your hands, even though we're seemingly on a little bit of an upswing here. Keep the social distancing for just a little while longer. And let's get on our knees this week together as a faith community and agonize over someone that they would find the Christ that you know and that you love. Thanks for listening. Have a great week.